My name is Kay, and in Brian's absence, he asked if I would be interested in leaving Bible study, leading Bible study. And so before I could even really think about it, I just told him, yes, I'm going to do it. And I, I did gladly accept. It's, it's an honor to be able to do it and to share and to be around such, like I told you all, you're my family. So to be around people that I feel safe around helps me to just be, feel comfortable and be able, be able to share the word of the Lord. And so I'm going to, you know, I pray that the message that uh, the Lord has placed on my heart to share, that I give it as he has shared it with me and he has touched me in my heart. I think that uh, it's a message about faith. And I think that it's a very important message. Um, it's a foundation and really need to think about what faith means to us and how we should grow that faith. And I shared with everybody when I went to look for... Um, props for tonight i reached into my lazy susan and said lord if this is what i'm supposed to do let me find what i'm looking for and i had literally pulled the mustard seeds out of the lazy susan and set them aside to go look for the mustard seeds so ironically it was the first thing pulled out so i feel pretty confident that that faith is where you want me to go depending on the version or the translation of the bible you use uh, or the internet search engine that you might use. The word faith appears in the Bible 336 times in the King James Version, and it can appear up to 551 times in the Good News Bible. In the book of Hebrews alone, the word faith appears 24 times. So for it to appear that much in the Bible, obviously is something that's super important to God, so it should be important to us. And if y'all have talked to me for any length of time, you know that every morning I wake up and we are still here, I am shocked that Jesus has not come to get us. I truly believe he is standing at the door. I truly believe we are living in the end times and our time is short. Our time is short for us to get right with God. Our time is short for us to share the gospel with others, uh, to let the others know what he's done for us in our lives. So instantly, Luke 18, 8, popped into my mind, and I go Luke 18, 8b, because it's the second part of that verse that says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He's going to look for it. That's what he wants to know. When I come, what am I going to find faith? So when you hear that, what do you think he's looking for? What does, what does that mean to you? What is he looking for if he's coming back to find faith? He's looking for people that have faith. He's looking for people that have faith. The, the word faith um, in Greek is pistis. So her Strong's Concordance, which is, I love looking up the Greek. I love looking up the Hebrew. I love looking what the original words meant. It means persuasion, i.e. credence, moral conviction of religious truth, or the truthfulness of God, or a religious teacher, especially reliance on Christ for salvation. The pistis, that's the word that's used in the New Testament because it's the Greek. And then Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Bible actually defines faith for us. And the version, I, I believe I picked King James, and this is the one that, that spoke to me and two words really popped out at me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The two words that really struck me here were substance 
and evidence. So if you look up substance, my second favorite tool is to use a dictionary, period. I love just using Webster's dictionary. Um, Webster defines substance as the most central material part, the essence. And it defines evidence as um, to support by testimony. So I thought those were really interesting, the word that they use, testimony and essence, just in Webster's. As far as your Bibles are concerned, it, it depends on what version you're using. Substance, it can use the word substance, assurance, confidence, the reality, the certainty. And then the Amplified Bible says title, deed, or confirmation. So I thought that was interesting. And then evidence, same thing, depending on the version you're using. It's assurance, conviction, certainty, proof, revelation. And then the Amplified version of that says the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So it's something internal. It's something you really can't explain. It's difficult to explain faith. It's difficult to explain something that you just know and you just feel. And so the Amplified Version really spoke to me. So if I read Hebrews 11.1 1, as it was with the Amplified Bible, it says, Now faith is the confirmation title deed of things hoped for, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I noticed Kim was kind of like, title deed. And that's what I did too when I thought about that. I was like, well, that's interesting. So if you look up what a title deed is, a title deed in the Oxford Dictionary is described as a legal right to own something. So our faith is a title deed. It's legal right to own to, to own something. So when we're born again, we're purchased. We were purchased through his sacrifice on the cross, and we have been transferred from sin to salvation. We are redeemed, and we legally become his. So it's a title. It's a contract we have with him. And we have even been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment. The Holy Spirit is given to us as an earnest down payment on that promise that we are to receive when we are in his presence and we are fully glorified. Um, so I think it's pretty amazing that, you know, even just the words we use in English really confirms just how precious that relationship with Jesus is. And it's faith in the finished work on the cross. It's a, it's a cornerstone of, of our building that personal relationship. You have to believe in that finished work. Know that Jesus, he really did love us that much, that he came and he walked among us. He, the word became flesh and he walked among us. And he took the wrath of God. I mean, he took the wrath of the Father for us and died on that cross, rose again, and he's living. He's still living today. We are the only quote-unquote religion that has a living God, that wants a personal relationship with us. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that relationship. It's a foundational doctrine of being a Christian. And so even my devotional this morning, again, just confirming, confirming at the beginning, keep confirming right before today started. Um, it said, it is trusting our unknown future to our God who knows everything. We are to live by faith, not by sight, according to 2 Corinthians 5-7. So again, it's that internal thing. You can't see it. 
It's something you, you can't really explain because it's something you have to feel. And so one of my favorite analogies of parable in the parables in the Bible have to do with the mustard seed. So I think, Kim, you have Mark 4, 30 to 32. And he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of, kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all earth, and shoots out large branches, so that the birds of the air may rest may nest under its shade. So, sadly, for those that may be watching online, and I did try to put the verses down there. I know when we have people reading the audience, sometimes you all can't really hear it. But on your paper that you all were trying to pick off and you thought it was an accident, that actually is a mustard seed. That's how tiny that, mu that mustard seed is. And then this is what a, a mustard tree, the, I had Jason put a picture up. This is what it grows into. That little bitty seed grows into that tree. What he's saying here, you know, in this particular instance, he's talking about it, about the kingdom and that the kingdom of God, you know, it began humbly. You know, the kingdom of God, he, I mean, it was a very humble beginning. He had very few disciples. It was a very small group that went out and, you know, then Pentecost comes and 3,000 have been saved. So it began humbly. It began to grow. And the beautiful thing is it is going to continue to grow because he is a living God. And his kingdom is eternal. So just as his kingdom grows, so should our own personal faith. So do I have Carol? Do you have Matthew 17, 20? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder's place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Okay, so tiny, as tiny as that little seed is, you just have to have that just the most minuscule amount. And we've talked about this. I, I, I know Jason's mentioned God math much. You know, God's math is not our math. Well, he can take anything we have, and he can multiply it, and he can make it strong to withstand the storms and withstand the weather. That's what he does for us. Um, and, it, and our saving faith needs to grow. I think our saving faith leads to a desire for a more intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And as this relationship grows, so does our confidence and our trust, um, our faith. It grows in who he is as a creator and ruler of all things. It grows in his promises that they are true and they're ours to be claimed. And in his faithfulness, even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. And that's humbling. I mean, that, that kind of crushes my soul. When I know that I'm not maybe having a good day and I'm not being the best driver that I should be, it, it does, it, it bothers my soul. And that's the spirit. I think that spirit, that, that down payment we've been given, has given us to quicken us, to make us stop and pause and say, wait a minute, should you be thinking that? Should you be saying that? Should you be doing that? And we need to really listen when those when we have those those quickenings inside of us, um, because that is also going to help us grow in our faith towards the Lord. Um, Ephesians two eight for it is by grace you have been saved by faith. This is not from our, yourselves; it is a gift from God. So it's a free gift. 
He has the grace. All we have to do is believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth. That is literally all we have to do. He does everything else. We just have to let him in. When he knocks, we just have to open that door. It is an absolute free gift that he gives us. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to do verse 7 and then verse 9. You know, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. We talked about common good last week. Verse 9 says, to another, faith by the same Spirit. So faith is a gift of the Spirit. Grace is a gift from God. He get, Then he turns around, he gives us the Spirit. The Spirit gives us the faith. It is just amazing how he will work in our lives. We go to Romans. I, and I have to laugh because I was not going to read a lot of verses, but I thought, well, I can't say it any better than God said in the Bible, so why would I just not read the verses? Um, you know, Romans 1.5 says, Through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. So obedience is given to us through faith. We read Romans 3, 21 to 25. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes from faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So it's our faith in Jesus Christ that gives us our righteousness. We all know what our righteousness is. Dirty rags. You know, we, without God, we truly are nothing. It is all through him that make us who we are. I mean, to make us sons and daughters of the Most High, that's just an amazing, what an amazing gift that he has given us. Uh, there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented himself as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. It's just, it's amazing to me just how great our God is. So one of our questions, you know, righteousness and obedience come to us through faith. Bill, I think you have 6, Ephesians 6, 16. I do. Above all, taking the shield of faith with, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay, so it's, it's, it's part of our armor. You know, God gave us a, a big selection of armor that we are to put on every day. And the shield of faith, that's the, what's, what is the one thing you put in front of you? You have all the other armor is on you. It's out in front of you. He's in front of us. That's what he does. He stands. He is the one that stands in front of us. He is the one that takes. He is still taking the brunt for us. We just have to have that faith and believe it. If you go to James 1, 3, it says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So we know our, our faith is going to be tested. You know, the Bible is full of examples of testing faith. You know, Hebrews 11, commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith, gives a litany of Old Testament saints who were not only tested, but declared righteous because of their faith. One commentary when I was studying, when I was reading, said they were all living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. 
So that's to the things not seen. You know, we are believing in these promises and this hope of things that we don't see, but we know because he is faithful and he is true and he is honest. He is going to give us those things. You go through Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Job, just to name a few. And I don't think Job is in Hebrews 11, but if you wouldn't think that man had some faith. Let me just tell you that. By faith, God's people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Faith has cured the blind, the lame, healed the sick. Examples of this happening through the faith of others. We talked about this last Wednesday. Um, you know, the, the men that lowered their crippled friend through the roof, they were saved by his faith. There was a, the centurion that said, you don't need to come to my house. I have men who follow me. And if, that, if I say go, they say go. If you say he will be healed, he will be healed. That's, and even Jesus was like, well, this man's got some faith. You know, he knows if I just say it, it's going to happen. You know, by touching the hem of a garment. You know, there was a lady who just thought, if I can just touch something that touches him, I am going to be healed. That is some amazing, powerful faith behind those actions. And he rewarded that by healing them. Um, yeah, the list goes, it goes on and on. And the Bible is full of people who have lived by faith. Um, and it's, it's a redeeming faith in God. So now we have a pretty decent idea of what faith is. Let's look at what faith is not. Okay, so I found some anonyms. Disbelief, unbelief, disloyalty, distrust, doubt, uncertainty, and fear. Um, and Fiona, uh, Romans 9, 30 to 33 is talking about Israel's unbelief. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in Him. They stumbled over the great rock in the path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So this goes to, you know, we're out from the law. We, you know, God came, God sent Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the law. Now, does that mean that we can't pay any attention to the law? Well, that's not true. The law is still the law, but we are not saved by following those laws. We are saved because of our belief in the one who fulfilled those laws. And something I've always said is because everybody's like, well, if you're saved, you can just do whatever you want. Well, if you think that, I think you really need to, are you born again? If you really think you can just go out and not have any of that conviction of the Holy Spirit, you might need to spend a little quiet time getting that personal relationship back on track with the Lord. You know, because they couldn't believe that that was Israel's unbelief. They couldn't believe this one man. That was it. I just, I have to believe in what he did and that, that, that he's the true son of God. That's what I have to, and they, he was the stumbling block. They, and they're still today, the Jews are stumbling over the fact that he was the, you know, he came and is the Messiah. 
And that's, and that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to create doubt. He wants to create, create doubt in God's promises, doubt in the saving grace of Jesus and the finished work on the cross. Doubt undermines faith and causes uncertainty. Satan wants to draw us away from God. He definitely wants us to miss out on the blessings that God has for us. I mean, he can't have us. We legally, we're, there's a title deed. We legally belong to God. Satan knows he can't have us. But what he wants to do is he wants to take a chink out of that armor. He wants to take a chink out of that shield of faith. He wants us to doubt. He wants us to think, well, he's not going to do that. That's what well, he could, but he's not going to do that for me. That, that shield of faith is what protects us from those fiery darts that come in. You know, our head is protected with the helmet of salvation, and then we put that shield out in front of us uh, to protect us. You know, Satan wants us to focus on our sins and our failures, our surroundings and our circumstances, not on our Redeemer or our salvation or our hope. The answer is really, it's simple, but it's not always easy. We simply need to look up. You know, if you think about Matthew 14, 28, you know, Peter walked on water. He saw Jesus and he was like, hey, stepped right out of the boat. The minute he took his eyes off Jesus and started paying attention to his situation and his surroundings, he started to sink. When he cried out, just as we do, because we're going to sink, we're going to cry out every time he is reaching out his hand. And then what did he say to him? You of little faith, why did you doubt? We go to Mark 22, and I start B to 24, and I'm not going to read it. I'm actually going to kind of summarize it. It talks about the demon-possessed boy and the disciples who couldn't, couldn't run the demons out. And so Jesus is actually talking in this particular set of scriptures. He's talking to the boy's father. And the boy's father says, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So back to, did he really think Jesus couldn't do it? Or did he think he won't do it for me? And so Jesus replies to him, and he said, If you can, anything is possible for him who believes. And to which the father exclaims, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He was asking for more faith. He knew Jesus could do it. He knew he could do it. But was he worthy enough? Was he good enough? Was he righteous enough you know all of those things that the devil puts in our head you have to you have to cross this t and dot this i and do this and do that we've already established our righteousness is dirty rags our works don't save us he sees us praise god he sees us through the blood of jesus that's what makes us righteous that's what, what draws us to being obedient to him because we want to honor that sacrifice. We don't want to dishonor that. We don't want to dis disgrace his grace. But I listened to this guy. His name's Mike from around the world. And he was talking about kids. And, how, and the Bible even says we should come to the Lord like children. So think about kids. Kids come in. Mom, Dad, what's for dinner? Well, we're going to have breakfast for dinner. Okay, and then they're going to go out, they're going to run around, they're going to run and just be kids. They're not going to go to the pantry and make sure their favorite pancake mix is in there, that they got their favorite syrup, that we got enough eggs, bacon. They know, their parents told them, we're going to have breakfast for dinner, and they know when they come back at dinner time, all the preparations for that meal will have been done. 
When we have faith, we're placing our confidence and trust in who God is and how God works, despite not knowing any of the details. How hard is that? I mean, I'm a controller. I like, I used to be a list maker. I, you know, I used to go put things on the list so I could just go back and cross them off the list. But how much of that is that we want to go and just make sure? We've lost that childlike wonder. We've lost that childlike trust. And he is our father. So we're his children. We should have that wonder. We should have that, that awe and that trust. Um, and that's what I'm hoping, you know, we're doing now that we're getting these end times. You know, don't, don't, don't doubt God. Don't doubt his love. Don't doubt his character, his promises. Obey him and leave the consequences to him. Wait on his timing. Oh, his timing. We know it's perfect. It's not necessarily our timing. We definitely, a lot of times it's not the way we want it to be done, but it's perfect. He can, he can see things that we wouldn't even have considered a, a good outcome or a bad outcome. You know, sometimes our unanswered prayers are protecting us from bad things. Even though we think it's a good thing, he sees I don't know, five, ten years down the line, maybe what that decision is going to do. So Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes before him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So how do you do this? How, I mean, how do you do this? How do you earnestly seek him? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. So what are some ways that you work on deepening your relationship with Christ to grow that mustard seed of faith? What are some of the things that you do to get hear the word? Pray. Pray. Praise it. Pray. Read his word. We study. I think it's pray. We're talking to the Lord, like, Lord, you said you supply all my needs according to your riches, Lord. And, and God said that and believed it. You know, it's, it's really simple. I claim all the time, hey, you promised you'd finish the good work started in me. I claim that promise four or five times a week. Going to church. Coming, don't don't forsake the community of saints. I mean, that's again one of the reasons I ended up here. I missed it. I missed having that fellowship and that that community and that love. It's so important. And even more, the Bible says, even more as the day draws near, do not forsake the gathering. What do they do when they they try to shut us down? You can't tell me what's happening in this world is not just straight evil. They, they, what they, they tried to shut down the churches. They did shut down the churches. You know, we can't, we, we've really got to stand strong because it's, that's what they're going to try to do. Um, reading your Bible was mentioned. Listening to worship music. I don't know how many times I've been in a funk and just maybe just in a sour mood. And it is super hard. When you get a good song going, you get a good song you love, you get it going in your spirit, you get to moving, kind of hard to be in a bad mood after that. Next thing I know, I got my hands up. I'm like, ah! it's I love. Worship music is one of my favorite ways to grow closer to Him. You know, fasting. Fasting is another way that people grow the relationship. 
Serving is another way. Carol said we had the most volunteers for any Bible school. You know, but that grows to see the, the children coming to God and learning um, is encouraging. And, and, and by perseverance, you, it happens by perseverance. So I'm going to, and I wasn't going to read because this one was long, but it's a really good one. So I'm going to read John 15, verses 1 to 11. And I think I'm in the NIV. So it talks about perseverance. And John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So that's the, you know, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. You know, he makes us complete. Our faith is complete in Jesus and in our sharing him. You know, he goes on to say, you know, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no, they lay down his life for his friends. And what did he do? He literally laid down his life for us. Um, in that passage, the word remain is in there 11 times. So in that, that I, I don't, I'm sure you've heard me repeat it. I looked up remain, and one of the definitions was to persist or endure. Endure means to carry through despite hardships, to bear with tolerance, to patiently suffer without yielding. So we have to stay attached to Christ. We have to stay in his word. And we have to, we've already been told we're going to be tested. Our faith is going to be tested. But we need to persevere. How did it all joy when you have tribulations? I guess I'm like, okay, I'll try to do that. Think about this too. He's going to prune you either way. Whether you produce good fruit or bad fruit. It's, he's going to prune you. Now, whether you want to be pruned so that you get much prettier, better fruit, or pruned and then tossed into a fire, he gives us free will. You know, I, we've heard it said many times, you know, there, he is a gentleman. He is not going to barge into your home. He is going to knock and wait for you to, to let him enter. We had read James 1, verse 3. If we go back to James, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, says, but let patience have her perfect work. There's that key word again. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, 
and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. And to that I just say, Lord, just save us from our unbelief. You know, he's saying, come to us. You know, when you claim those promises, Linda, when I claim that, you claim them. It's that fine line of boldly stepping to the throne, but we're supposed to be humble. You know, you kind of walk that fine line. You know, you humbly go to him because he deserves our reverence. He deserves our respect. But he has told you to come boldly. He's promised you. These are promises he wants you to claim. And if you have that hesitation, I think a lot of times that's the devil. You know, he wants to hold us back. He doesn't want us to have those blessings. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So again, the Holy Spirit is given to us. He puts that love in our hearts. He, he gives us that his love. He gives us everything. We just have to walk it out. And we don't have to walk it out perfectly. And we don't have to have a plan for 10 years. All we have to do is the next right thing. You know, what did we just say? He has ordered our steps. You know, the good works we are doing, he already he assigned them. He appointed them to us. He made the good works for us specifically. So he is definitely going to empower us to step out into those good works. We just have to have the faith to step out and do it. Um, if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it's talking about love. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And then I'm going to end with Hebrews 10, 35 to 39. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we, are, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So my question remains, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Question one, when the... Son of man comes, will he find faith? We've got two. Faith as small as a mustard seed. And that's your all's little mustard seed. Had anybody ever seen mustard seed? They're tiny. We are saved by? Grace. Grace through faith. Faith is a? Gift to the Holy Spirit. Gift of the Spirit. Blank and blank come from faith for Romans. Righteousness and obedience. And I'll be honest, because that obedience one, sometimes that's a tough one to take. Faith is our shield against the fiery darts of the devil. Blank. Testing our faith develops perseverance. 
And then I gave several examples of what are the opposite of faith. Um, the two I wrote down were doubt and unbelief. I think they're the, the ones that are used, seem to be the most used in the Bible. Now, we did cover Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, and faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God.